welcome to Adult Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter 22 of The Amber Spyglass, The Whisperers. Hello, 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 hello. How are you? I'm all right. It's been been a little a little while, a little while. Yeah, we took a little break because we both had some pretty busy Octobers, and mm-hmm. we are back mm-hmm. just in time for festive season and for all the preamble and run up to the TV series. They've started releasing trailers. They've started releasing pictures. Everything is making me cry. <laughs> I would love to know. Agreed. Everything is also making me cry. When the fuck it's going to be on the BBC? Because we still don't know. Mm-hmm. We have no idea. And it's really strange because I saw they're doing a episode screening in Wales in November for the first mm-hmm. episode, like end of November. And then the BFI is doing what they usually do, but it's the first two episodes. And that's not till mid-December. And then I saw someone say, and they weren't like a credited source, so I don't know where they got it from, it's on Twitter, that... It's not coming here until January. So I was like, what? What is happening? And I know there's been a lot of chat in the Discord about, oh, like, maybe they'll just drop it all on. Maybe they've got a new deal with HBO where HBO does it weekly. And then when that's done, it all drops on iPlayer. Maybe. I hope not. That would be so difficult to record how schedule. How would we do too. that? Yeah, I was going to say, like, how would we even do that? We just have to do it weekly, I guess. I think we but... just do it in line with whatever the UK one is. And then, like, yeah. If it's like eight episodes and they drop them all at the same time, should we just do an eight hour long (laughs) discussion of all the episodes at once? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's very strange, isn't it? But yeah, we'll go, I guess we'll go in line with what the BBC do, but I don't, they just need to tell us. Uh, They know, right? They know we've got this podcast. They just need to tell us. Just just tell me. I promise I won't tell anyone else. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, but now I'm really looking forward to it, for sure. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a good season. Yeah, yes. The artwork stuff that's been sneaking out looks amazing. The trailer's looking amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is very exciting. I'm very sad that I did not make it to the panel at MCM Comic Con in London mm-hmm. last weekend, the weekend before last. Um, yeah, I was there. I was in the building, but I could not make it because I was busy. So, uh, and I yeah, was jet lagged. I really hope so. it was good. Yeah, Faye was jet lagged. I was busy selling all my wares. So yeah, yeah, no, no updates on the panel. But mm-hmm. it looks like a really good time. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely spying on Simone Kirby's stories on her Instagram, and everybody looked fantastic. They like, did great dress they? mode. Yeah, great I outfits. Everybody, <laughs> they looked great. They looked great. Mm-hmm. They really did. Daphne seems to be doing a lot of like fashion moments recently. I was literally like, just going to say lots that. Lots of photo shoots and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Daphne is looking great and she's looking so grown up. Yeah. It's it's, it's a little bit sad, actually. Our little yeah. girl. Our oh. little Lyra. <laughs> and me is the same. He's so grown up. Yeah. I mean, when we when we spoke to him, I was like, you're such a grown up. I'm so much older than you. Well. Would you like to tell me any fun facts about what you've done in your time off, for example? <laughs> 
going to America. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I went to Las Vegas with a bunch of our friends to go to When We Were Young Festival. And also, thank you to first, thank you to the kind people in the Discord that saw that the first day of the festival got cancelled and they were like, oh my God, it's very okay. And I was asleep and you jumped in and said that. uh, She's fine. Yeah. (laughs) She's Um, jammy. She's going on the day that didn't get cancelled. God, we were so lucky. So basically the first day of the festival got cancelled because of the wind and the wind was horrific. In the morning, we were like, it's not even windy. And then by the afternoon, we were like, oh my God, it was so bad. Yeah, luckily we went on the second day and it was really great and I got to see Paramore and loads of other bands and yeah, we just had a great time in Vegas but it like it's just fucked up my... I, I was ill when I got back. I knew I would be. I always get ill on the way back, just like long haul flights and just breathing in all that fucking recycled air. Recycled air. air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was ill when I got back and just my sleeping pattern's been absolutely fucked but here I am. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know it's well, well I'm glad to have you back. And mm. this is our closest podcast record to Faye's birthday. So everyone can wish <laughs> Faye a happy birthday. I already <laughs> spammed social media with birthday messages for Faye, but you can you can do it all over again now because this is our closest record to the birthday. Oh, thank you. And thanks mm-hmm. to everyone that said happy birthday. It feels like such a non-event now. I think because I, I turned 31 and obviously last year was my 30th and we did loads of stuff for that and it was great. And like I was like, I don't really want to do anything this year. I was just like, eh, it's not, it's not a big one. I'm not first, just uh, chill. But yeah, that was nice. We had a nice chilled time. We, I went over to Faye's house and we watched some spooky movies. Honestly, <laughs> can I just put a PSA out there to anyone that's wanting to rewatch Scary Movie or Scary Movie Two? Don't bother because it's just horrendous. Oh, you just. It's one of those things where definitely rose-tinted glasses of time and teenage mm-hmm. naivety of like sure. watching it and being like, it's like a combo of like a funny film that's rude and like scary films that you shouldn't watch because you're too young. So all yeah. of it feels really taboo and exciting to watch. And then, yeah, watching it as an adult, you're like, oh, so this is all the entirety of this sense of humour, which feels annoyingly familiar. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. the entirety of this sense of humour is rooted in fat jokes ableist jokes Mm -hmm. racism like homophobic jokes like so just so many horrendous jokes and then like so the only things that have stood the test of time and still count as like humor that's not horrendous are like poop jokes and there's so many poop jokes poop jerks weed jerks like but even the even the i guess the sterner character is kind of a trope um but it's so bad. <laughs> we watched scary, so we watched scary movie last year, and that is also bad. But I feel like that is more. It isn't as bad as scary movie two. And I remember scary movie two being my favorite when I was a kid, and I watched it again for the first time in like God it must have been like fifteen years, and I was like, Oh my oh, god! Oh no, this was this was bad. Yeah. This is bad. And I, you can remember, and you're like, I can remember there being some bits that will not have aged well. And then you're yes. like, oh, it's not only not aged well, it needs to be burned. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and I really wanted to just watch, it, watch it as well. I was like, I really want to watch it. And then I was like, I regret this decision. But yeah. We, we also watched uh, Jeepers Creepers, which I had never seen before. And I'm just putting it out there. I think I'm getting really good at scary films now. You are. I, I'm you a are. self-confessed scaredy cat. And... 
really struggle with scary movies, but also love horror movies, love the makeup and the artwork and like so much cool stuff. And there's so many cool stories told in like loads of horror films that I really mm. wanted to watch and they're like iconic. And this last month, I've been like forcing myself to watch loads of scary films, usually during the day when it's light outside and like catching up on basically so much pop culture that I've missed out on because I've been a scaredy cat. And loads of it isn't as scary as I thought it was. No, <laughs> I don't know if that's me numbing myself to it or if it's just that like actually what was scarier when I was a teenager was everyone that had gone to the sleepover and watched the horror movie telling me about how scary the horror movie it was and me imagining it being creepier. Because I can remember Jeepers Creepers. Everyone's like, oh, and the monster's so scary. And like, oh, it's the creepiest thing and that bit and this bit and describing it all. And then watching it, it was like an elongated episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer with like Mm -hmm. a very monster of the week monster. Yeah. And I was like, oh, so it's not, it's not that bad. (laughs) No, I've not seen Jeepers Creeps in years and I fucking love Justin Long. He deserves a Scream Queen status does, for sure. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, in my opinion, being a horror fan forever, a lot, obviously it depends on your own kind of temperament, but most horror films, there are very actually, there are very few actually terrifying horror films. Mm. And in my opinion, the films that are the scariest are the ones that like, leave stuff to the imagination so like your paranormal activities and and stuff that is like rooted in more of reality like babadook and stuff like that that have like some kind of like deeper meaning to it i mean paranormal activity doesn't really have a deeper meaning Mm. but they are really good at treading the line of like not showing you what it is but like having all the creepy shit in there which I much prefer and I think is a lot scarier than your, like, Monster of the Week films like Jeepers Creepers and all that kind of stuff. But I still love mm. those films. I fucking love it because I love, like, gore and I love slasher films. Um, but, yeah, I do really think there are very few actually actual scary horror films that they might scare you at the time when you watch them, but they're not going to stick with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should have, like, a cute little horror mini horror discussion segment for our patreon yeah i wonder if we can find some horror films that feel relevant that or feel... that have had ca- oh okay i'm gonna be scrolling through the imdb histories of all of the people that are in the tv series to see what if they've been in any horror films mm-hmm. and then we can watch them has james wonder... mcavoy been in a horror film he was in um, isn't it he plays the old one of, oh, the of older characters yes and uh so I it would be cool to I know you've seen a lot more horror now, mm. but it would be cool to find some ones that you haven't seen that I've seen and I can kind of try and guess at the beginning if I think it would if it will scare you or not. And you can kind of yes. tell us what you think it's gonna be like. Can, that would be fun. Pr- I can make some predictions. Yeah. Speaking of predictions, we had a great email in oh, we the other did. week with um someone is watching it, they've watched the first two seasons with their friend who has never read the books and they got their friend to predict where it's going to go and it was hilarious. We will try and find it to share on social media, I think. I think so we can, can put listen. it in a mailbag, I guess. Oh, we could. That's point. Mailbag. We'll do yeah, a mailbag we're soon. probably the best place to put it, but yeah, it was great. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a great email. But yeah, definitely. If you know, if you also are watching with them, I'm going to get Johnny to predict what's going to happen in mm. season three for me. Um, if you also are watching with anyone that hasn't read the third book, send us their predictions because they're hilarious. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Get, get, get us invited onto your favourite horror podcast. 
<laughs> I suppose all of our horror chat is still relevant because this chapter is quite a spooky chapter mm-hmm. of the book. It is very ghosty. So mm-hmm. I am rolling with the fact that we've just had a big old chat about horror films, especially because also we didn't bring out the episode on Halloween like we were supposed to because we needed the break. So this is this is us embracing the Halloween vibes. So I hope that's, that's okay true. with you all that we've just spent 15 minutes chatting about <laughs> horror films. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just can't, I can't stop talking about horror once I, uh, once I get to it. Once um, we get into it, yes. So we have been having an amazing time making the merch that we've got. It seems like you've all got a favorite design. We have mm. been selling alethiometer t-shirts and we are loving seeing them on people. Mm-hmm. I am loving wearing mine. Mm-hmm. So we still have all four original designs in the shop that you can order and we've still got the monthly order system rolling. So yeah, uh, get yourself or your pals uh, a t-shirt. They are selling well and it's really nice when the orders come through. We get very excited um, mm. and it is a great way to you know, help us, help us run the pod. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and don't forget, we do still have season one and season two episode artwork stickers and the super fun Balloon Dead and Bear Dad sticker packs, which are great stocking fillers. And they are not on the monthly order system like the t-shirt. So if you're only ordering stickers and post uh, stickers and bookmarks. bookmarks, they will ship out much sooner. So yes. bear that in mind for your HDM loving friends. Yes. 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 Hey Faye. Hi. What would your demon have been this week? So I think you're gonna be surprised that I've I picked this. I don't know if I've I've done this before, but I have been so fucking tired since we got back from Vegas. All I've really done is like I've been like a baby. All I've done is like sleep and eat. (laughs) Like and oh god, obviously like fucking I say that I always like diminish what I've actually done, which is actually quite a lot of work. But in mm-hmm. my head, all I've done is sleep and eat, which is not correct. But I, I think it's because I mean that I haven't really been out. I haven't really like done much. All I've done on top of all the normal stuff that I usually do yeah. is sleep and eat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was very so sleepy for like the four days after we got back from Vegas. All I did was like stay in bed. So I would love, like, uh, I saw a TikTok recently of how stupid ginger cats are and how they're just really, you can just, like, hold them they're upside down. They're all such dumbasses. And they just hang there, like, <laughs> with the paws out, like, mm. Yes. So I would love a ginger cat to, like, curl up with me on the bed while I go to sleep. Yes. Yeah. Ginger cat with or without single brain cell. <laughs> That's all that they have. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd like one. Yeah, we can. I can have a single, a single brain just, cell. Just the one brain just cell. Just the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel like it'd do more oh. funny things if it had one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you never know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there is just one brain cell that is shared between all ginger cats in the universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you? What would your demon be? Um, I've also been having quite a chilled week. I've needed to like rest and recuperate from having been really busy. And trying very, very hard, uh, trying really hard to rest and recuperate because I'm not very good at that. Like mm-hmm. what happens is I do an event like Comic-Con and I come off the back of it exhausted, but also kind of like inspired and keen to get back to work because I've had a really great time. Blah, blah, blah. And that is the perfect recipe for burnout because the moment I lose that momentum, I've got myself into a pickle and will burn out. So I think maybe I needed 
demon that's um gonna stop me from being able to actually do that and go anywhere so i think maybe like a like a fish a fish in a fish tank because it'll stop me from being able to leave the house (laughs) that's really horrible though (laughs) but it's like enforced enforced rest and recuperation i don't know i get that but also sometimes rest and recuperation comes with like seeing friends or seeing people that's going true. out i don't want you to be trapped in the house i feel like that <laughs> i, Can get I just it. get like i think maybe it's more the energy that i want i'm gonna go for an anemone 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 it doesn't know. matter yeah. um because the vibe of that is they're very a i've seen two really cute anemones on tiktok somebody has um a fish tank with two anemones in it and they if you drop a little plastic um if you drop anything in the anemones will pick them up and so oh. she gets like little 3d printed plastic hats and oh. the anemones pick up the hats and they will like carry <laughs> them around the tank with this little hat on their head and it's really really cute um but the whole vibe of an enemy is they're just like very slow moving they've got their little wafty tentacles and like things come to them mm-hmm. and they just like draw things that they need to them or like pick up what they need and carry on but it's a very like go with the flow slow pace mm-hmm. and so actually i think if i had and they're quite small so if i did have an anemone in a little tank or a little fishbowl it wouldn't stop me from leaving the house but it would remind me to like take things slow and like let things come to me for a little while yeah you could get like a little... Really little cute little fishbowl that i could like fishbowl backpack i was literally just gonna say get yourself a little bag with yeah the... well yeah that's fair okay I think so. So yeah, not force me to stay in the house, but something that gives off that energy of just like remember, like you need to like slow down your pace a bit and yeah, yeah, let let things come to you for a period of time rather Mm -hmm. than trying to like overload my plate in what is still quite a busy season. So yeah, yes, for sure. And then and then and okay shall we uh should we get into this chapter yeah let's do it yeah last chapter we tried to keep our shit together as lyra will and the galavespians were led by lyra's death to the boat crossing that took them to the land of the dead philip pullman tore our hearts from our chests as lyra was forced to abandon pan on the shores of the lake Somehow the chapter didn't end there and we had to endure a broken Lyra being taunted and wounded by harpies. In this chapter, Lyra, Will and the spies meet the inhabitants of the land of the dead. They ask the ghosts for their help to try and find Roger. And Joppery. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Joppery. I mean mostly Roger. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fine. Well, here we are. In we are. chapter 22. <laughs> Should know this. Yes, chapter 22. Hopefully, the little break that we've had has given you enough time to heal your broken hearts mm. or given you enough time to ramp up the motivation you needed to actually listen to it. I know a lot of our listeners have been holding off listening to this episode until they're having a day where they feel strong, which is very fair. So hopefully, this next episode that we are doing right now is... A little bit more cheerful, <laughs> I guess. 
in comparison to the last episode, sure. I mean, uh, we're not going to rip our still beating hearts out of our chest in this episode, thank fuck. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's true. That is true. Okay, so. What is the picture? Are you going to guess? Are you going to guess? Is it a bunch of ghosts? It, yes. Yeah, how's he yeah. drawn that? Are they like transparent? Like or little uh, people. Nice. Yeah. Nice little crowd of ghosts. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So... Do you want to tell us about this quote? Because I read it and it went right over my head and then I tried to read it again and the same thing happened. There's a lot of uh, words that I ain't got a fucking clue what they are. Yeah, uh, it is very wordy. It is thick as autumnal leaves that... Is it straw or straw? I don't know. I'm going to... There's going to be words I can't pronounce in this. Apologies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thick as autumnal leaves that straw the brooks in Valombrosa... Oh. Where the Eturian shades high over arched embower. John Milton, Paradise Lost, of course, Phil's favourite Paradise Lost, which was a massive inspiration for this book series. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a somewhat speedy uh, thing because I'll basically just explain what it means. Fair. That's fair. This is from the towards the end of the first book of Paradise Lost, in which we are still getting a pretty hefty description of um, pandemonium and of the the realm of the dead of hell. Um, Thick as autumnal leaves is basically describing at the end of book one. Um, the devil is looking out over his kingdom, over the amassed armies, subjects, over the dead. And they lay as thick as autumnal leaves. So it's describing the density of the crowd. Ooh. So it's much more, it's basically that. It's basically that. And there's all there's loads of, in a lot of the analysis that you'll find of Paradise Lost, there is a lot of talk of the fact that it is autumnal leaves they are fallen leaves it's very much to do with the descent to hell lots of comparisons to be made to do the the fact that he's chosen to be not just any old leaves not just like a field of wheat or something that else could describe a crowd but fallen leaves is to do with it's like satan is a fallen angel Mm -hmm. the fall as a concept and the fact that it is autumnal leaves and they have fallen and blah, blah 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 crowded leafy that's, that's kind of it. They're just they're, there's a lot of other epic poems that also use autumn leaves or fallen leaves as a metaphor or a simile within them to describe um, the many numbered dead in the land of the dead. It is a thing that has been used in multiple different epic poems, not just Paradise Lost. One of the very slightly wanky things that I was reading, which is from openmedia.yale, so very fancy it's Mm -hmm. a yale one Mm -hmm. um it's very much like a lecture that's been written out for you but um it is saying that like there was pressure on milton to make this part of the simile beautiful and striking because he's echoing not one just one epic poet but also but lots of epic poets that have used this so homer and virgil as well as dante also use the simile of leaves or some version of it to describe the numberlessness of the dead and how infinite it is. And so there's like various epic poems that use it. Um, And so it's kind of like an iconic 
an iconic quote, an iconic moment, and the fact that Phil's chosen it for this chapter in which we are repeatedly seeing and having described to us the crowd of ghosts uh-huh. and how like unfathomably large it is, is like basically exactly why Phil's chosen this quote, I think, because it is what he's trying to describe in this chapter is what Milton's trying to describe in this um little passage here but unless you know the context of that that is what milton is describing it just feels like a very wordy quote well that's what i mean that's why i like completely glossed over it but it's actually more interesting knowing the context i think it's like i know that you know phil said like a million times that they're not children's books but realistically at the time they were released they kind of were it was kind of like that harry potter vibe where like a lot of adults Mm -hmm. read them but they were still mostly for children and it's like phil are you assuming that people know what this is that aren't like scholars i guess like i'm sure there are a lot of like people that are casually interested in, in paradise lost and all that kind of stuff but like yeah the average i guess child aged reader would be like what the fuck I know for a fact that I did not give a shit about the quotes when I was Mm. reading these books, especially because the way that they are in my books is they're like crammed into the little plate where you usually have the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so because I don't have I don't have the picture there and sometimes the quote's really hard to read because the Mm. writing's a bit like spidery. I would like sometimes try and read it and I'd be like, oh, that's wordy. And then mm. I'd be like, cool, I, I don't give a shit. I'm here. I'm here for Lyra. I'm going to yeah. carry on reading the bit that I'm here for. Especially like, because when the books were released, it wasn't really like you could just Google it. Mm-hmm. Like if you mm-hmm. wanted to look into it, you'd have to go to like a fucking library or like, you know, like it'd be very difficult to, like, if you didn't have any idea what it was to then yeah. go and like research it further. It's much easier now. It kind of feels like a choice from Phil sometimes to be like, no, look, this is very highbrow, actually. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Your books have substance regardless of whether or not we know what classical literature you're drawing your inspirations from. And I have, like, beef with, like, highbrow literature and stuff like that because it's just not as accessible. Like, there's not... You have to have, like, a level of education that, like, not a lot of people have to be able to read something like that and understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's why I kind of, like, butt against this kind of stuff because it's just not as accessible as if you were just picking up this book and reading Lyra's story. Um, yeah. yeah, I just... I, I've always had a bit of a thing for, like, things that are just, like, super complicated for, like, no fucking reason. I'm just like, come on, there's no need. <laughs> yeah no definitely i would agree with that the, some of them have been nice like it's been nice to go and like dive into like emily dickinson definitely, or find yeah. out a bit more about lord byron or whatever but that's because we're podcasters that are researching the books but as like a casual reader i probably would find it quite like distancing or like alienating almost 100 percent, and like stuff like emily dickinson and like byron and 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 you know authors like that poets whatever a lot of them I only know about or know of their work because I studied English literature. It's like, if I didn't, I would, there's no real way that it would be accessible to me as a kid when there was no, well, yeah. Google. There was, but it wasn't as accessible as it is now to like, yeah. you, when you it. were the age that you would have been reading these books, if I hadn't made you read them as a grown up, 
um, you wouldn't be using the internet to Google poets. You'd be mm. using the internet to send your friends like la 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 on like MSN Messenger and yes. like stupid like gifs and emojis. Like, yes. were gifs even a thing back then? I How old know. am I? Oh, God, <laughs> we are making ourselves well. We're making ourselves sound super super old, but yeah, I don't know. I just have a. Yeah. I just think that literature stories etc should be accessible to all yeah i in a lot of ways it is making things that are inaccessible accessible because if you had never heard of emily dickinson before but you were reading these books you might then go and look her up and find that you really liked her poetry so it is bringing it to an audience that may not uh choose to delve into things like john milton or emily dickinson but it is also could be seen as being quite alienating in terms of like at least it's not, you can just read the books and ignore the passages. Mm-hmm. If it felt like that you had to have an understanding of that as an entry point into the books, that would make it really hard. Yeah, true. But as Very they true. are just like seasoning <laughs> on top of the books that aren't super important, like I feel like it's kind of, okay, I could take it or leave it. And like, it's nice that I get to like research it for the podcast and we get to contextualize them. But I don't think you miss out if you skip reading those bits because you're like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, very true. <laughs> very yeah. true i think i'm just constantly pushing against the, f- the fact that phil's an old white man yeah <laughs> get out of here with your oxford education <laughs> yeah. who yes. do you think you are going to an oxford college <laughs> now if you're a woman or a person of color going to a, a like an oxford college i'd be like yes fucking Slay. good on you yeah <laughs> yeah but white men no there's been enough yeah can that be the tagline of this podcast? Just white, white man. man. There's been there's enough. Been enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It kind of already is. Mm, yes. <laughs> and then just like a picture next of Asriel next to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 So here we go. Here we go. We are back with Will and Lyra. We only left them a little bit ago, so we're we're mm-hmm. carrying on that thread of being with them rather than skipping somewhere else, which I kind of thought they might do after that chapter because it was such a big one. The last one, I thought they might be like, "Oh, here's Gomez," and, and that would have been like to Mary, and yeah, or like <laughs> Gomez would have been a bad one. Like, oh, here's a full chapter of Gomez. I would have been like, no. Oh. That would have just been like insult to injury. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, so Will helps to like see to Lyra's head and he uses the blood mo- uh, blood moss ointment that Joppery gave him. Mm-hmm. Very handy. Yeah. Uh, and I just think it was saying that her, like her wound is bleeding, but it's not like a serious like deep cut. And scalps do bleed a lot. And mm-hmm. it reminded me, because you and a lot of people in the Discord remind, uh, recommended the book, The Secret Life of Adi LaRue to me that I'm currently yes. reading. And I love it. It's great. Um, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. It's fun. There's a bit in that book where it says that I think the character Henry's brother's a surgeon or a doctor. Mm. And he says that hands and heads are the bleeders. They're the ones that bleed in a sense of like they the bleed a lot. Vessels. Yeah. They bleed a lot, but it's not it's not serious, if that's what I mean. Obviously, mm. you can get serious injuries to those places. But if you cut your hand or your head, even just a little bit, it's likely to bleed quite a lot. I was like, hmm, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. 
which makes even less sense as to why every single tv show ever that has a thing where someone needs to like put their blood on something to like do anything why the fuck are they all cutting themselves Mm. across the palm which is the hardest to heal and will bleed the most prick your thumb prick your thumb yeah come on come on people honestly (laughs) because they want that cool shot of them like holding the knife like cut in their hand and it's just like okay. why you're gonna have a useless hand for the rest of that episode yeah. or that film or whatever it is you're doing yeah. and then also like no doubt they'll have something wrapped around their hand and they'll just be using it like normal and it's like you are reopening that wound every mm-hmm. time you do something i i think we're probably thinking of the same thing but when they do it in buffet and it's like all the potential slayers and it's like you've yeah. got to have the fight of your life soon and I know that slayers do heal quicker, but, but you're like, going to need those hands for holding yeah. and using weapons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, yeah they do it in Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Elena does it like every other episode in Vampire Diaries to like, um, Bella does it in Twilight to like when she's like putting her scent on the trees oh, or something. Does. Yeah, Doesn't she, she like does. cut her hand mm-hmm. and put it on the tree? Like, that's so much, so much stuff. It's so stupid. Anyway. Oh, oh Twilight. Um, I love this like caring energy from Will just like looking after Lyra it reads very much like how Lyra had to do a lot of like wound redressing for Will when he had his fingers chopped off like true yeah there's a lot of flirty energy in this chapter a lot so much heart fluttering so much heart fluttering so much of what we talked about before where it's like Phil is very purposely writing about I guess them noticing things like physically Mm. like there's a bit where it says something like about lyra's hot breath on his ear and stuff like that it's very much like okay you're peppering this in phil i get it Mm -hmm. i get it yeah um the bit where it says like where will's like dressing her wound and it says he's trying he was trying not to think about like how dirty the claw was of the harpy i was like oh no i I didn't even really think about that i'm like oh yeah gross because they can't wash it or anything no there's well not in that dirty mud water or whatever it is that's around absolutely Mm. not Mm -mm. yeah but i mean hopefully what we know of the blood moss ointment is that it works better than the savlon that will had from the uh the guy in the tower so hopefully there are antiseptic properties to the blood moss ointment that joffrey's made Truly the the most comedic thing that's ever happened in these books is that old man pulling out that Savlon. Like it's <laughs> yeah. just so funny. But like I don't know if Phil meant Precious it to be funny. <laughs> but it's so funny. Like it's just ridiculously funny. And like these books aren't funny. They're not. Like there's yeah. some like maybe like Lee was like kind of a little bit of comic relief sometimes, like Lee and Hester. But that bit was really funny which makes me think that phil was trying to be serious because i just don't think that he would try to be as funny as that yeah it feels like that moment of like the pr- the preciousness of it and it just being like savlon or germaline or like something really easy to get feels very like a terry pratchett sense of humor in a lot of ways there like he pulls on a lot of that like picking something up for it only to be like hilariously small like mm. yeah i oh, like God. that me too um Lyra, poor Lyra, is mm. just definitely in shock at this point. She's her eyes are glazed and she's pale, and Will's having to like shake her out of it, kind of. Um, and she, it's distressing to see Lyra in this state because I don't think it's pretty rare that we get any descriptions of Lyra this 
shaken yeah and so like she gave a shudder and took a long shaky breath and her eyes focused on him full of a wild despair and it's like basically she's she's just had her heart torn out and then she's just had her scalp torn like like, ripped open and she's just like it's all too much and you can see it in her face and i feel like it's lyra's usually so on it that it's like jarring but also not nice to see but like it's a for the story it's a cool thing that lyra's like this is the thing that's got her you know yeah and it also allows like will to step up because we've seen him step up when he's when he was on his own with burrock and and balthamos well mostly Mm. balthamos but um he hasn't it's always kind of been lyra leading the way when it's the two of them i guess but also there's a bit here where she's like i can't do it anymore uh, it's all i can do it doesn't work she's talking about lying because obviously the harpies called her out and will's like it's not all you can do you can read lily theometer can't you i'm like could you not think of anything else like <laughs> honestly right just that one thing that he is actually useful to him that he's brought yeah, up rather than being like, like oh you're like a great person and you've got these qualities and these qualities he's like yeah but you can read that lithiometer can't you yeah literally like why have you picked a skill that is so easy for her to lose and that she already felt guilty about like misplacing the alethiometer mm-hmm. last book so like yeah yeah why isn't he like no it's like it was never the lying it's your bravery and your yeah. ideas and your imagination that's got us through this like not well you can still read that special tool can't you <laughs> you're not completely useless now if you couldn't do that then you'd be completely useless <laughs> you know yeah for sure no it's it's so true oh fucking hell um so we get a description of of where they are says they found themselves on a great plane that extended far ahead into the mist the light by which they saw was a a dull self-luminescence that seemed to exist everywhere equally so that there were no true colors and no true light and everything was the same dingy color Standing on the floor of this huge space were adults and children, ghost people, so many that Lyra couldn't guess their number. At least most of them were standing, though some were sitting and some lying down listless or asleep. No one was moving about or running or playing, though many of them turned to look at these new arrivals with a fearful curiosity in their wide eyes. These, like, ghosts give me the vibe of... Do you know in Little Mermaid when Ursula turns... uh, people or mermaids or whatever into those little weird little worm things that i fucking hate it gives me like that vibe yeah i hate that by the way i really hate that it makes me sad every time yeah it's because it is very sad it's very sad isn't it <laughs> it is very much that it is it, I don't know, it's quite an iconic imagery i think a lot of the like depictions of the world of the dead have things similar to that it's things like in um what am i trying to think of do we see the world of the dead in hercules are they like floating in the river sticks? Is that a thing? I was going to say you're talking about Hercules. Are you thinking about Hercules? Mm. Yes. Because Hercules jumps in. It's like a swirly. Yeah. And Hercules jumps in yeah. and he like turns old while he's trying to pull Meg out of it. Yes. So yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, lots of depictions of things like that. I just think it's really cool. It's really nice to like see another version of it out there. I, last episode, forgot to mention, um, and it feels relevant now, the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. Um, because I was speaking about this at the theatre yesterday with Ellie. We went to see The Crucible. It was very good. Um, and we were talking about Hades Town, which we went to see recently. And how... Recently? Girl, that was fucking ages ago. 
Yeah, not recently at all. I don't know why I said recently, which we have been to see. Done. We were speaking about it recently. Um, but the whole myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, which is like when you go into the land of the dead, you can't return the way that you came in. So Orpheus does go into the land of the dead to in search of Eurydice and goes via the river Styx with the boatman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And is told you won't be able to return this same way, which is exactly what happens to Lyra and Will. And I'm really annoyed I didn't mention it in the episode. And then with Orpheus and Eurydice, obviously his thing is he has to take a different path out and he can't turn around and look back on the way out and like finding another route out of the land of the dead, which is just really interesting considering like the conversation that Lyra had with the boatman about how she was it's a one-way boat it's a one-way ticket no for sure for sure that just made me think as well do you know like i was saying i don't like those little worm things a little mermaid and i don't like in hades town that everybody that is in the land of the dead are basically like workers everyone here in this chapter they're like sad little ghosts who are like really lethargic especially like the adults there's a level of I'm trying to like pinpoint why it gives me this like horrible feeling. And I think because there's like a level of humiliation to it in in terms of like, you know, whoever you were when you were alive, you're now dead and you're in this place where you're being forced to be a worm, like the little mermaid or like be a like lethargic ghost. You're like trapped in this in this space which like i don't know it gives me that air of humiliation because you're being forced to do something that you don't want to do or be someone that you don't want to be yeah the thing with this that i find really interesting as well is like especially because we know that phil's so inspired by like paradise lost and depictions of hell and stuff and we have a lot of speak especially through the magisterium of like heaven and hell and the fact that we do get to the land of the dead and it's not oh heaven la di da di da there's people having a great time sitting on clouds eating grapes and then there's people burning in some fiery pits and being tortured it's not that it's just this weird neutral space and the and it's boring and it's nothing but it's not nothing because they're there and they're ghosts so it's not blackness and nothingness and whatever it's just boring and the way it's described as having this like it's illuminated only just to this really neutral level and like the fact that it is just this like true true neutral but not true neutral because it feels oppressive it feels humiliating and sad but it's just there i guess it's supposed to be like limbo right yeah the fact that like in order to get in there there was all this stuff and people making up paperwork and like there is a system there is a system in place that is getting people there, but then there's nothing to do when they get there. There's no purpose to it. Because at least in Hades Town, like if like they're being oppressed and they're being forced to work, but like there's some purpose to that. It makes sense as to why he wants them to work to build things or whatever. But these people are just there. I'm not a fan of it. It's sad. It I is don't sad. Like it. <laughs> it's sad, and to think that they're there for literal eternity. Mm, no, it's not for me. I wonder if like they can see, like, where is the entrance? The entrance must be where they say all the ghosts that they're around must be the most recent ghosts, right? Uh, because they're closest to the entrance. The, to the doorway. Because if the space is like infinitely large, I'm just wondering how far Lara would have to walk before she's bumping into somebody dressed like a caveman. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. If like everyone's been there for eternity. Well, she has to walk an hour to get to Roger. And apparently he only died weeks ago. Done. Honestly, I was like, are you fucking joking? I was skipping way forward in the chapter, but I was like, weeks? (laughs) I've been reading this book for years. (laughs) How has it been weeks? Honestly, honestly, that fully like... Blew my mind. (laughs) 
<laughs> it threw me off. I was like, are you joking? I thought Lyra was in that cave with Coulter for weeks. Yeah. Yeah. She's got, because like Will journeyed for a really long time. That must have taken, Will's journey alone must have taken weeks to find Lyra. Yeah. And then all the stuff before with like Ballvanger and stuff, that also must have taken weeks. All this stuff is not going down in a matter of a few weeks, because a few to me is three or four. Yeah. I wonder whether Lyra's sense of time's thrown off because she still doesn't really know how long she was kept with Coulter. That's true. Maybe she thinks that she wasn't asleep for that long. Yeah. And so like her a few weeks is our two months. Yeah. <laughs> Surely. Honestly, at least. At least, at least two at months least. for this book. It's like, if it does not last at least as long as the summer holidays, then I don't know what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> Like, I'm sure I was reading a, an epi- a chapter every other week has made it feel like the story is like this epic, like years long struggle. Yeah, but imagine but... <laughs> reading it when the books were coming out and you, I would assume, had to wait years between them coming out. True, yeah. So because Lyra doesn't have Pan, she's like clinging to Will. Will likes it. Mm, he's gl- he's glad of it. Mm-hmm. And the spies like fly ahead and it's really silent and oppressive and just this like all the stuff that we've just talked about, this like really neutrally horrible space to be, I guess. Just depressing. Yeah. 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 Very depressing. Very depressing. They can hear the harpies. So the harpies are still around and the ghosts start to like crowd around Lyra and Will and Lyra doesn't really have the strength to face them, so Will does it for her. We see like a lot of that, a lot of that in this chapter. It's really um, interesting to see that because like Will has historically not like took the lead too much in these situations because Lyra's always the one that's like full of energy and ideas and like keen to like drive the story forward. <laughs> um, so it's nice to it's nice to see and different to see, and it shows you how like out of sorts Lyra is that Will's had to like take the lead on this. Yeah, for sure. We get like a little description of like the i guess the power or the lack of power the ghosts have so shivering and frightened and full of pain as they were he and lyra had more authority than the whole mass of the dead put together these poor ghosts had little power of their own and hearing will's voice the first clear voice that had sounded there in all of the memory in all the memory of the dead many of them came forward eager to respond but they could only whisper a faint pale sound no more than a soft breath was all they could utter which again horrendous hate it yeah the fact that they can only whisper is like frustrating but also creepy and i'm excited to see how they do it in the tv series because it could be hilarious <laughs> do you know what i yeah. mean like trying to have a conversation and they're like it's just like roger where's roger somebody find roger like, can you speak up, love? Can you put the word out, please? We're looking for a Roger. Lyra's here for Roger. <laughs> so can you spread the word? Spread the word, please. Yes. <laughs> just really, really, like, them trying to be frantic, but also just, like, really quietly whispering. Yeah. <laughs> they, the ghost kids, because there's a lot of kids here, because we learn that the adults are, like, this is... It's not yet, I don't think, but I did make a note of it somewhere. We learned that the adults are like so lethargic that they can't even like, they can barely like move or talk. And I hate that the most because it makes me think of sleep paralysis or just paralysis, I guess. Because I'm assuming, I might be wrong, but I'm assuming that they still have like active brains and they want to be able to move and they want to be able to talk, but they can't. And that is so horrendous see i read it as like they're just more depressed than the kids like they're just more 
done. I think there's a quote and I literally put like, same. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Their voices were no louder than dry leaves falling. Note the leaf metaphors. And it was only the children who spoke. The adults seemed sunk in a lethargy so ancient that they might never move or speak again. And I was like, same. I'm lethargic too, all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm so sleepy. Let me go to bed. Mm -hmm. No, I think you are probably right. I guess they don't have active minds, but also it's still horrible it just makes me think of get out the sunken place i guess there's a very different reason for them using that and get out but it kind of gives me that vibe of being like so like sunken down in this depression this lethargy that you are there somewhere you just can't access it and i hate i fucking hate that yeah the spies are flying around on the dragonflies and the ghost kids look excited because they think that they're demons that's the thing that lyra that like sparks lyra into like being an active participant which is heartbreaking and it's it's her compassion for the kids that have lost their demons which she's always been very compassionate to kids that don't have demons like that first book with little tony makarios and his little fish like she's always had that compassion there but then the fact that now she can like empathize even harder is heartbreaking but i do think it's a bit presumptuous of Lyra to be like, if my own demon was here, you could all stroke him and touch him, I promise. I don't think Pan would be chill with that. I think Pan would be shitting his pants if he was here and he would be like, don't let them touch me, Lyra. For sure. <laughs> and also, I guess they've come along. I know they're ghosts, but I guess they've come a long way from being terrified of the taboo of someone touching your demon. Yeah, I think it shows her compassion that she would even offer that up. But also, don't just offer him up imaginarily. But yeah, then the fact that so she holds her hands out to the children again it's lyra she's so compassionate um but the children all come forward and she feels them like they have as much substance as fog and they're like passing through them and as the ghosts seem to realize that they're getting something from their warmth and their heartbeat and their liveliness more and more of these ghosts crowd through and pass through lyra and will and lyra and will start to feel drained and like they can't cope with it anymore which is really interesting like the idea that the ghosts could like a tiny bit of time like leech the liveliness out of them very standard ghost behavior if anyone enjoys watching ghost hunting shares as i do very standard energy drain from the ghost there uh (laughs) (laughs) if i had an emf reader it would be showing up at i don't know what the numbers were that were significant oh yeah i don't know it'd be flashing red it'd be an emf five here yeah It'd be flashing red if I had an EVP recorder, which is basically just a fucking voice recorder. Maybe we'd be hearing some sounds. Who knows, you know? Little whispers. Yeah, little whispers. Uh, (laughs) Yes, a very ghostly, very standard ghost shit there. They have to ask them to, like, stop touching them for that reason. Lyra is trying to tell them, like, why they're there, but she's struggling. uh, And the ghost, like, fascinated by the blood on Lyra's head because it's very much depicts life and then harpies harpies we hear them the harpies are doing something unspeakably horrible apparently to the ghosts but we don't get to find out what it is we just get to know that the ghosts are scared to shit of them yes exactly oh do you know what i forgot to mention so do you know when it mentions because it's the next bit the lethargy of the adults it also so I used to be, when BBC Three was an actual TV channel, I know it actually is again now, I think, but like back in the day, I used to, they used to do some really fucking good documentaries and I used to be like obsessed with them. And they did one, and I can't remember the name of the condition, but it was this girl 
that like slept all the time like for weeks and weeks and weeks and she'd like wake up and like eat and stuff but she'd be like in what's the word like she'd be so out of it that she wouldn't be able to do anything else and I remember specifically because I felt really bad for her because it was going to be like her prom and so she'd like have phases where she would sleep for like weeks and then she'd come around and she'd have like a few normal weeks or whatever months whatever and uh it was going to be her prom and she really wanted to go to it but she fell asleep and she couldn't go and I felt really bad for her and it kind of gives me that vibe as well with the like lethargy and stuff yeah there's a bit in did you watch the Sam on TV series in the end no I haven't watched it yet Oh, so there's a bit in that where like there's a, a sleeping sickness that spreads across the world and the whole thing is that is like some people can't sleep at all they have like permanent insomnia and some people fall asleep and don't wake up for months um, or like wake up like just enough to be fed and then fall straight back to sleep again and in this constant state of sleeping it's not just that they're in a coma but they are just like asleep so she tells the ghosts about Roger uh, but realises that there are so many ghosts out that they could be searching for him forever. I really like this metaphor here with um, she felt despair sit on her shoulders as heavy as if the harpy herself were perching there. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. One of the ghosts asks why they want to find Roger and Will kind of steps in and he also says that he wants to find his dad as well. And then the harpies appear. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden... So I, again, I have basically anything that mentions leaves in this chapter, I've been like, oh, hi, I see what you did there, Phil. Um, suddenly all the ghosts turned and fled, even the grown-ups like dry leaves scattered by a sudden gust of wind. In a moment, the space around the children was empty and they heard why. Screams, cries, shrieks came from the air above and the harpies were on them with gusts of rotten stink, battering wings and those raucous screams, jeering, mocking, cackling, deriding. Um, but yeah, that description of the ghosts like autumn like like dry leaves is very like oh let's see what you did there phil you really really like this autumn leaf metaphor absolutely yeah for sure Mm -hmm. and again another description of the harpies being stanky and so they are like swooping around them and lyra immediately shrinks to the ground and will's covering her and holding the knife um which is really interesting because again lyra having like lost her confidence there because i feel like usually she'd stand in defiance but because she's so shaken she's like shrunk to the ground what is interesting is that will has this kind of like separation in him so the harpies are like scoffing and saying horrible things about his mum as they're flying around and it's words um scoffing words filthy words all about his mother words that shook his heart but part of his mind was quite cold and separate thinking calculating observing none of them wanted to come anywhere near the knife i think that's really interesting about will is that he's got this like separation there to be able to like logically think at this while dealing with this like horrible emotional stuff i would assume that that probably came from him being bullied uh, yeah, being able to detach yourself from the meaning of the words that people are saying to you. Definite like uh, coping and defense mechanism yes. kind of vibes. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I wonder why, because he like reckons that they only that no name only like scratch Lyra by mistake, and that their harpies don't want to touch them. I want to know why. Is it like a rule? Are they not? Is it like you can shout at people, but you can't touch them, and so they know they've broke? Because like they're physically able to touch her, it doesn't seem that there's been a consequence, but they clearly don't want to touch them now. I don't think it's just the knife. No, I don't either. I wonder if it if we find out, but maybe they just think that 
they're gross. Maybe it's the exact same reason, like the exact same reason. They're like, oh, I don't want to look like gross humans. Maybe it's because they're scared. That it's probably the first time that they've if they've always been there in the land of the dead or just before it. Maybe it's the first time that they've actually seen alive humans. Yeah, except for obviously Orpheus when he popped by. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> so maybe that's maybe it's a fear thing. Maybe it, they're grossed out by them. Maybe it's there's like a higher power that forbids it from happening. Yeah, there's lots of reasons it could be, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Maybe they're just not good at fighting and they're, the way that they fight is in their like horrible words. Yeah, that's true. They could have br- brittle bird bones. Yeah, it's interesting. So like Lyra and Will, well, Lyra gets her confidence back a bit when they notice that they're not actually going for them and they kind of just like, are like, okay, so I guess we just get on with it and the harpies are still flying around but they seem to kind of lose interest a bit it sounds like the harpies have like distanced themselves a bit and they're still like shouting shit but they're not an imminent threat and so Lyra and Will like just kind of able to carry on while having like people shout horrible things at them so that's nice yeah I would hate that it'd throw me right off for the right distraction yeah but when the ghosts realize that the harpies aren't doing anything to them they like start to drift back towards Lyra and Will. So the bit here where Lyra says, Will, she said, I'm so glad we came down here together. He heard a turn in her voice and he saw an expression on her face which he knew he liked more than anything he'd ever known. And then obviously it says it showed she was thinking of something daring, but she wasn't ready to speak of it yet. At first I read that wrong and I was like, is she just like full on flirting with him now at this like really inopportune? I'm so glad I'm here with you. <laughs> like this moment where it's not called for whatsoever and not needed, where they're like in literal danger. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm here with you. I'm like, Lyra, it's all the time, girl. I'm so glad we came here together. We should do more dates just like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay, she's got an idea. And that's what, yeah. that's again, obviously, Will, that's what Will likes about her, but it was one of the things that Will likes about her, but it did make me laugh because I was like, girl, it's not the right time. I also like initially started reading the sentence that way and then was like, oh no, it's the idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, The ghosts don't just like take you by the hand to lead you places, apparently. So they're, they're ready to go. They, this little ghost girl has agreed to help them try and find Roger. And she's like, this way, come with us, we'll find them. And both of them felt the strangest sensation as if a little ghost hand were reaching inside and tugging their ribs to make them follow. Just just grab them by the hand. Mm-hmm. Don't tug them by the ribs. That sounds horrible. Sounds not pleasant at all. No. No, thank you. No, thank just you. Just for future reference, etiquette says, like, maybe lead people by the hand. <laughs> the elbow is also fine. You can, you can take someone by the arm. Don't grab them by the ribs. No. <laughs> so then we have, like, a conversation with the ghosts about demons and demons becomes like i guess a big point of interest for everybody that's in this chapter right now one of the ghosts asks lyra where her demon is and she's very conscious that about pan obviously and she can't talk about it so will steps in and we learn that a lot of the kids obviously lost their demons when they died they all start talking about them which is really sweet it's like the the universal conversation pretty much because like they can all be like this was my demon and he liked to be this shape and like it's like having a conversation about your favorite food in this world you know like everyone has something to say everyone has something they relate to yeah we also learn that there are ghosts there from will's world too because there are some people that don't have 
demons. There's Gersa from a different world because there's a little girl there that has her death with her all her life and now she doesn't have her death. And I just think it's really sad. Everybody loses something when they die. Even if they don't know what it is. Because there's a little boy from Will's world that says, like, he also knows that something is different. Mm. Um, That's kind of interesting. And, like, it's kind of nice that Will has someone that he can relate to in that moment as well. But also it's kind of like, it's probably quite jarring because the boy that is from Will's world is also a similar age to Will. And Mm. so it probably feels a bit like confronting death vibes. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then there's like some chat here about um, the girl that says that she knew her death. She says, but I uh, I ain't got him no more. I don't know what's going to happen ever again. And someone says, there ain't nothing going to happen nothing forever you don't know said another they came didn't they no one ever knew that was going to happen that is the first thing that ever happened here said a ghost boy maybe it's all going to change now and lara says what would you do if you could they say go up to the world again even if it meant you could only see it once would you still want to do that yes 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 mm-hmm. <sighs> so i think this is really interesting and this might be why the weird frog in the last chapter is relevant mm. Because they choose to do nothing about the frog because the frog can't speak for itself and make a decision as to what it wants to happen, whether it wants to be killed or not. Like, mm-hmm. And they're like, we can't do anything for this creature. They decide not to because it can't speak for itself. Yeah. And then in this moment, Lyra is seeing people in this plight that she feels pity for them. She can see they're in pain, but she's able to ask them what they want Yeah, and therefore feels... Like, because she's already kind of had the idea and the plan, like Will's seen it in her face. Mm -hmm. But then this moment that she's actually asking them what they want and kind of that, I think that solidifies for her exactly what she wants to do. I wonder if that's what the relevance of that weird sidebar with the frog was last chapter. Yeah, maybe. In terms of being able to ask someone what they want to happen with their future, with their choices. Yeah, that makes sense. It's funny because they're like, obviously Lyra's had this idea, but the ghosts don't know that. And she's mm. like, what would you do? And they'd like, we go back up to the world. And she's like, even if it meant only once, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then she's like, well, anyway, I've got to find Roger. So. All right, bye. Go, go find my friend now. <laughs> See you later. Yeah, exactly. She wants to tell Will her plan first or her idea. Mm. And then they start to like move and they all like migrate. It, that's what it's described as like migrating like a flock of birds or herds of reindeer moving towards i'm assuming where they think roger might be but then tally and sally they fly above and they they see that everyone's just kind of moving in a direction anyway and they're like wonder like what the what are they moving towards do they even know are they just constantly moving for no reason Mm. so the spies then have a little conversation about demons it's got to them as well uh they're very much like you know we don't have demons but we definitely left something behind like Tally says that he feels like his heart was like r- ripped out of his chest and left behind. He says that he sees it on Sally's face. Rude. <laughs> He's like, you look like shit. You look like a bag of shit. <laughs> yeah. So something must have happened to you too. Yeah. yeah. She's like, actually, I just didn't put any makeup on this morning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, conversation I've had so many times. Are you ill? No, I just didn't put makeup on. I just don't have makeup on. <laughs> yeah. Actually. Uh, no, I just had my demon ripped out. Mm. So so thanks for bringing it up, actually. Thanks for bringing it up. I do feel like a bag of shit. Mm. So also Tally can't use the resonator. It does not work mm-hmm. down there. They are beyond beyond help and beyond the reach of the world, which is 
I feel like the first thing I would have checked when I got there was he able to use the lodestone resonator in the suburbs of the dead? I don't know. I don't think he did. I don't think he tried, did he? Because of all the times to try it would be when you're like chilling with that random family and yeah. Lara's telling her bullshit story. True. I'd be like, BRB, just going to send a text. Yeah. True. So. Yeah. Hmm. They, um, they're wondering whether, oh, there's a, there's a, a line here where it says the boy would go with her to the end of the world, which is, um, cute. Very sweet. Very lovely. Mm. And yes. they then wonder if the knife will open some, like, will the knife open a fucking window for them to get out of here and they're like I don't know but I think the boy thinks that it will and they're like well probably in my me I'm like probably not I can't remember how they get out but I'm like I can't see the knife working down there but we see we'll see put a pin in it I guess they're discussing whether Lyra has like fulfilled her prophecy yet as well which is really interesting because like we know that Again, last chapter, Phil makes a really big point of being like, and that was the betrayal that was prophesied in the first book. And so Tally and Sally discussing now as to whether she's made the choice that she's supposed to make. Like, was the choice when she left Pan? Yeah. Because we know that was the betrayal, but was that the choice? Yeah, I was going to say. And they seem to think, like, they don't know. And, like, I get the vibe as a reader that, like, no, that that doesn't feel, you know, we're only halfway through the book. That can't be the prophecy choice. Like, that has to be further along the line. But it's interesting that they're having that discussion as, like, a workplace chat. Being like, is our job done? Do we just, what do we do now? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tally seems to think that, no, it's not. It's not the choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, they've got to bring her to safety, both of them, because they're bound together now. And then they fly ahead. Uh, this is the bit about um, Lyra putting her lips to Will's ear and him being like very aware of it and stuff. I don't know about you, but I fucking hate that feeling. Oh, me too. When someone tries to like whisper in your ear and you're like, it gives you like the shivers yeah. and makes you want to like curl up and die. Yeah, same, yeah. same. If so, if Lyra did that to me and I was well, I'd be like, oh, stop it. <laughs> Please no. Please just say it. Because I can't, but I can't handle it. He seems to quite enjoy it. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, and then we learn that Lyra's idea is to take all of the ghosts out, free them, free them from mm-hmm. the horrible place. Even the grown-ups. Yeah. Good point. You got you got to point that out. Not just the kids. Even the grown-ups. She's she. Her reputation is is for saving children, not grown-ups. So she just needs to point out. Yes. That it is everybody. It's an all-inclusive. Yeah. No ageism from Lyra. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they'll find Roger and Joffrey first and then free him. Simple mm-hmm. as that, apparently. Easy peasy. I don't know what we're all worrying about. Yeah. <laughs> and then this bit. He turned and gave her a true smile, so warm and happy, she felt something stumble and falter inside her. At least it felt like that. But without pantalim and she couldn't ask herself what it meant. It might have been a new way for her heart to beat. Deeply surprised, she told herself to walk straight and stop feeling giddy oh oh it's such a crush such a big crush crush. yeah also i that description feels really like hits home like it's i feel like that's a really good really resonant description like i definitely remember feeling like that when you're like yeah when you feel giddy when Mm. you feel like your like heart goes and you're like oh yeah for sure no Yeah. yeah um i think it's really interesting where she says she doesn't have pan so she can't ask herself what it means so is that like a hint as to what part of her pan is or is it just that she's so used to like discussing these things with pan that she can't do it by herself yeah she's used to having those conversations 
out loud with an external yeah. part of herself whereas like i guess other people have them internally mm-hmm. and also that's the thing where it kind of brings us back to the sadness of them separating because mm-hmm. as far as we're aware demons that have been separated from their humans they can't have ever get that connection back again so at some point she's going to have to learn how to have those conversations with herself or how to analyze her own feelings without pan being there because even if she finds him again they're not going to have that same connection so sad (laughs) it's sad so everyone is looking for roger uh, and the spies ahead like notice a little commotion and all the ghosts are like pointing towards someone and then it says this Everyone's is going, Roger. Yeah. Roger Lyra is Roger Lyra is here. Yeah. Roger. Roger. They see Roger. a ghost boy with an honest, unhappy face. Poor Roger. <laughs> Poor little Roger. Poor Roger. Poor Roger. And they fly back and they tell Lyra. What I love about this is they ask, they see him, and he's looking like dazed and puzzled. And they're like, Roger, is that Roger? And he looks up and nods. And they fly back and they're like, Lyra is definitely your Roger. <laughs> we checked. We asked him. We checked. Did you check? Because there yeah. are millions of people here. Millions. Chances are that there's another person called Roger of a similar age yes. somewhere in the building. You know? <laughs> True. And all you got was a nod for confirmation, but they're like, we it is your Roger. Checked. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we checked. Did you? Did you? Yeah. That is funny. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, it's like an hour. And she gets there and it's just a different Roger. Yeah. She'll just be like, and I've walked. Fuck you guys. <laughs> and she's walked an hour. I'd be like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> right, mad. Yeah. So luckily, I mean. The imagery is lovely, though, of yeah. like them being like the hubs of these like. Um, I'm imagining it like magnets with mm. iron filings around mm. where like they're the things that are moving but there's just this like flow around and behind them yeah. of like all the other ghosts that are like making way and spreading word but also crowding around to see what's happening yeah like sure. I just think from above I fully imagine in the TV series they'll surely have like a shot from above where you can like see all that motion yeah. and movement and it'll be really satisfying yeah for sure I also love that when they get back to Lyra to tell her that Roger's there and it's going to be an hour's walk, she just has like a million questions. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that one of them... And they're like, oh, we didn't stick around to find out because we barely checked yeah. that it was him. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one of the questions, were the other children was uh, were aware of what was happening and were they helping or were they just in the way? Like, can you imagine that being one of the first questions that they ask? <laughs> like, were they in the way? Like, <laughs> okay. Is it is it an hour's walk because it's going to take an hour, right? or is it an hour's walk because there's some silly gits in the way? Yeah, like exactly. tell us. And then, so if we're going to be in the way, I will shout. Yeah, <laughs> I think that this last line is actually really rude of Phil, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Tally tried to answer everything truthfully and patiently, and step by step, the living girl drew closer to the boy she had brought to his death. I think that Azriel brought Roger to his death. Mm-hmm. Lyra might have taken. And by- him. Yeah. physically the, to the, the place. living girl that she uh, that had brought this boy to Azrael yeah who killed him yeah <laughs> yeah exactly can we not be putting in this situation the blame? his death is Azrael mm-hmm. not be putting the blame on Lyra thank you yeah no, no thank you. definitely not and that is the end of that chapter mm-hmm. I didn't even look what the next one is chapter 23 is called no way out. Ooh, well, mm-hmm. and we're still with Will and Lyra. Yeah, which is interesting. Interesting. Oh, wow. Yes. 
That was a very um, in-betweeny chapter. Yes. We like moved forward a little bit because we found Roger. Mm-hmm. But not much else happened apart from, I guess, like maybe the deepening of Lyra and Will's relationship and, and, and I guess like a physical crushy kind of sense. Yeah. I did like that we are, again, new location, new description. Like there was clearly a lot of uh, pride and fun taken in like describing this depiction of the world of the mm-hmm. dead and like laying out the vibes Mm -hmm. i think yeah um especially because it's like we're finally here this is like the location we've been aiming for and then so to have a description of it that is so like bland is kind of cool yeah true (laughs) um but yeah you're right it's not a very like action-packed chapter it's a lot of chatting and walking chatting and walking Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is it is to give out i mean i don't think it's very fair but i want to give my award to pan (laughs) (laughs) because he is i want to know what he's doing right now yeah and also he just deserves all the awards ever going forward after being abandoned on that bloody dock yeah that's true that is true um so yeah, the, the the space that Pan should be occupying is what I'm gonna give an award to. I think because like Lyra's thought about him a bunch this chapter. I just want to know how he's doing. It's kind of a cop out answer, I know. No, but I think I it's I think it's valid. <laughs> I think it's valid. What about you? Who's your award for? Mine is for. I actually might give it to Roger. Oh, little confused, lost Roger. Yeah, just because I may or may not be the real yeah. Roger. We, we we didn't stick around long enough to find out. I just feel like whenever's whenever Roger is described, it's always like oh, the, like when it says like is his unhappy, honest face. Like he's always just got the worst look. Like he's always described in like a kind of a little bit of a like pathetic way. And I just mm-hmm. justice for Roger, you know? Yeah, justice for Roger. <laughs> Yeah. He's like a very pure character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's very one dimensional in that he's kind of pathetic. Yeah. And like just a bit like we'll do, you know, even in that first book, he kind of just goes along with whatever Lyra says. But like that's part of what makes him so innocent. And so like that's why Lyra feels protective of him, surely. But yeah, yeah he's such a non-entity. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love how this entire book series is all about Lyra trying to find him. And he's just such a like... I think it's one of those things where she's going to be obsessed with finding him. They're going to hang out for more than five minutes and she'll be like, oh gosh, I've grown a lot as a person since you fell off that cliff. Yeah. And we are very different people. I don't think we'd still be friends now. Yeah. (laughs) I think you're probably quite boring. Poor Roger. (laughs) Oh, Roger. Oh, little Roger. Everyone's favourite character. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) I will repeat the spiel that you are also used to hearing at the end of this episode of this episode of all our episodes we are still running our little review giveaway we would love it if you would leave a review for us it is one of the main things that helps us get up in the rankings helps people find us and you know we just love to hear it when people say nice things about us so we are still running the little giveaway you know what to do 
post a positive review of ours on the interwebs and screenshot it send that screenshot to her.materialspod at gmail.com and that email will be your entry into a prize draw and we will pull out 10 names from a hat 10 people will get some super fun bookmarks one person will get an up-to-date sticker on bookmark merch pack with all of the stickers and bookmarks up to date of whenever the hell we pull this draw smashed it say it yeah mm-hmm. review us say nice things give us five stars if you can't review us or you don't want to tell a friend about us shout us out on social media the tv series is coming up everyone's going to be coming out the little hdm holes mm-hmm. <laughs> tell if you're sitting there thinking huh Rachel and Faye have heard Art Materials podcast. They're just so nice and I wish I could get them something for Christmas. Mm. What you can get us for Christmas, for the holidays, whatever holiday you might be celebrating in this winter period, what you can gift to us is a review. Mm. Please do it. We would love that. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Or you could buy a t-shirt or some stickers or some other merch. Or you could join the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash HDM pod. It helps because a lot it just fucking does (laughs) yes (laughs) thanks so much for listening to this episode of herd art materials you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at hdm pod you can also email us at herd.materialspod at gmail.com you can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk if you want to support us you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod we also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from rich you can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop and when I'm not talking about sad little ghosties, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not going off on a random tangent about horror movies, I am making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, RachMakes.co.uk. Huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. Bye. 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 Yeah.